Pastor Justin. Good, good. Good to see you. Thank you. If you want to <clears throat> sit over here. This one? That one's perfect. Okay. Unless you want this one. No, this is good. Okay. <laughs> Hi, family. So, um, Lauren was gracious and brave and courageous enough to come and share this morning. And uh, I'm going to s- say something for you. I, she said she was going to be a little nervous. And I said, you're going to be talking to your family. Okay? These are people that are for you. We love you. And we are anxious and excited to learn from you, Lauren. And so I wanted to start out this morning. If you could just share with us a little bit about yourself. If you could just tell us your story. Um, and I think a lot of us, we, we know you. We see you on the weekends. But I think many of us, we really don't know your story. And so if you could just sh- share a little bit about who you are and story, that would be great. Okay, thanks. Um, my heart is pounding really hard. <laughs> we love <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> and I had no idea that he was going to say all those things um, before I came up here. So let me just get my tissue out. Stop shaking. <laughs> um, so let's see my story. Right now, presently, um, I am married to Jerry. I'm Jerry's wife. And we have two kids, uh, Sean and Noah, 15 and 13. We've lived here in Durango for about 17 or 18 years. And, um, but, of course, it didn't all start here. Um, what I think is relevant, though, is, is to go all the way back because I can see how God has prepared me um, for what we are doing today. We live in a six-bedroom house here in, in, within the city limits, And we share our home with people who are in recovery from alcohol and drug addiction. Um, And it's nothing that we planned to do. It's nothing that we set out to do. It's really not anything to do with um, compassion we conjured up. But I can look back and I can see how God has prepared Jerry and myself um, and led us to where we are today. Wow, I didn't know my mouth was going to be so dry. <laughs> okay. I do exercises in the morning just so you don't like, slap myself uh, in the face. Yeah, there you go. Okay. That's good. Yeah. okay. Now you're good to go. Okay. So um, I was born um, 57 years ago, 56, 57 years ago in New York, um, into an alcohol-addicted family when um, my mother got sick of my father's alcoholism. She left with my brother and I. Um, he's two years younger than I. And um, then what happened was then I got two addicted families because my father continued on in his alcohol addiction, Um, got together with a woman who had five kids, and she was practicing um, alcoholism as well. And my mother got involved. um, My first stepfather was addicted to alcohol and marijuana, and any other thing he could get his hand on. So all of a sudden, I was in two addicted families. Um, I started using alcohol and marijuana as a direct result of my parents and with my parents when I was nine. I was using on a daily basis when I was thir- by the time I was 13. Probably I was addicted by the time I was 16. And um, I was able to control it somewhat, um, but... Using and the using culture brought me to a place when I was 17 that I was willing to do anything and everything that came along because um, I wanted to have a place in in that realm. I wanted to be good at everything I did. Um, By the time I was 21, um, it wasn't working for me at all. 
I was uh, lying, cheating, stealing. I was promiscuous. I was into pornography, whatever, everything and anything. And, um, and, it, and it was bad. Um, so I tried to quit using uh, marijuana and alcohol, and I tried to control it, and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't stay stopped. Like, I could stop for a little bit, but then I couldn't stay stopped. And um, when I was 25, my grandmother died of, a der- of, her, of cirrhosis of the liver, and I went to her funeral, and um, I looked around at my stepsisters and brothers, my mother, my stepmother, blah, blah, all that, and I said, oh, my goodness, if I don't do something right now, I'm going to end up just like her and just like everybody else. And I came back um, to where I was living at the time and got involved in counseling. And I was in counseling for about nine months when the counselor um, confronted my use and um, encouraged me to go to treatment. Um, I didn't go to treatment because um, I started going to Alcoholics Anonymous. I went every single day for 90 days. And I haven't had a drink or a drug since. Um, (laughs) And that, that was 31 years ago. Um, in Alcoholics Anonymous, we do what is called the 12 steps. And I, was, I, I worked the 12 steps as best as I could. Um, and as a direct result of working the 12 steps, I came into relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, and, um, yeah, I've been walking, following him as best as I can for 29 years now. And... Um, Jerry and I, as I said, moved here 18 years ago. Um, We didn't get married until I was 35 and he was 40. Didn't have Sean until I was 41. Didn't have Noah until I was 43. We moved here without children and thinking we couldn't have any children. Why then would we buy a six-bedroom house, right? (laughs) Well, um, it's because we couldn't pay the mortgage on our own incomes, and so we bought a house that already had renters in it. And... You know, our, our little ideas, um, along the way, I can see that God just uses our little ideas to, um, to lead us to what he wants us to do. That's great. Do you want me to stop now? No, that's great. <laughs> I don't want to get in the way. Okay? That, that was great. Thank you Thanks. for sharing, Lord. I think sometimes to hear someone's backstory, sometimes it's just really incredible, and it helps you to have greater insight and perspective into maybe why um, you and, and Jerry are doing what you're that's kind of what I was going to ask. I know you have a lot of people in and out of your home. Um, you have people that are struggling with addictions, people that, you know, have recently been in jail. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a lot of brokenness that comes into your home. And I think a lot of times people would say, why, why, why are you doing this? You know, mm-hmm. from from a outside perspective, it seems, um, it doesn't seem right sometimes. It's like, wow, it seems having broken people like that come into your home almost seems dangerous, it seems scary. Why are you doing I think that's what I want to ask. Um, and hearing your backstory, it's obvious that, um, boy, what you have gone through, it helps you to have a heart for people may. that are having similar struggles. But uh, if you could speak a little bit more to that, okay. Lauren, about why, why do you have people into your home that are really broken? Well, I, I said that we first started um, having people. Well, actually, let's see. I forgot to say that um, my father's household was um, we were workers. We had a, a bar, we had a restaurant, we had a nightclub, we had a flower shop, 
we had lodges. And so I grew up as a um, chambermaid. And, and very rarely in my household was it just our family of nine. Um, we always had extra people. Um, always, always. In fact, I said to you on the phone the other day that my dad would sell my bed out from underneath me. If somebody came knocking at the door and needed a bed, he would, and he didn't have any other beds to rent, he would um, have people sleep in our beds and the kids would go sleep elsewhere. You know, we're resilient, so that was good. So I grew up sharing my space. And um, when Jerry and I got married, Jerry had a roommate, and um, so we just continued to rent to that roommate. Um, before I married Jerry, I was a live-in housekeeper, so I was always living with people. But you said, why do we share our home with broken people? Well, we do that because um, we see along the way that that's where God has led us. Obviously, um, I'm in recovery myself, so I, it's, um, it's, it's second nature for me to be able to minister. That's how God uses us, right, out of our pain he brings us to people who are in this similar pain, maybe, that we can help. Um, but it isn't altruistic. Like I said, we bought the house because it had renters in it already. And um, as the years went on and we had children, we were all of a sudden out of city code. And so God used the city of Durango to open our eyes to the fact that um, if we shared our home, if we rented rooms to people who were in recovery, then it, they would allow us to do that because they need places. I mean, you guys, we have a waiting list for rooms in our home. We, have, we, have, we get calls all the time um, from all aspects of this community for people who are coming out of jail, coming out of prison. They don't have any money. They can't put down a first month's, last month's, you know, all of that stuff. Um, and as we... As we and, as we welcomed the first one, and then the second one, and then the third one, and as we um, fellowship with them and share our home with them, and as we see God changing lives, we are encouraged. So we do it because um, he keeps encouraging us. Yeah, that's great, Lauren. I appreciate that. I was going to ask you in, in regards to uh, someone here this morning that might struggle in the area of compassion. I talked last week how... Mm-hmm. I have a lot of work to do in this area of compassion. Um, I think many of us do. Uh, sometimes, you know, I think it just comes naturally maybe because we're humans and we're bent to do what's wrong. And so it, it's hard to be compassionate. But what would you say to someone here this morning that just really struggles in that area of compassion that kind of maybe looks at you and says, wow, I could never do that? Um, what would you say to an individual like that this morning to, to encourage them? Obviously, their story doesn't have to be exactly like yours. They don't have to do it the same way you're doing it. But, um, you know, to be compassionate towards those who are broken, how would you encourage us in that? (laughs) Um, I would first say we can't do it. You can't do it. Um, I can't do it. We just can't. Um, But God can. And in the book of Colossians, I think it's the third chapter, it says, Therefore, as dearly loved children... No, therefore, as chosen children, holy and dearly loved, something like that, clothe yourself with kindness, compassion, humility, gentleness, and patience. And if you haven't figured out already that you can't conjure up those things, 
then you have some hard lessons ahead because I have to be reminded on a daily basis that I cannot conjure up compassion. I can only clothe myself with compassion um, when there's compassion in my closet, so to speak, you know, like clothes. If I have, if I have compassion in my drawers and my closet, then I can clothe myself with compassion. And the only way that I know to have those things of it, compassion available to me is um, getting to know who God is through his word, like reading his word, studying, asking him to reveal himself. Um, not, not one person who has lived in our home is ever the same as any other. And uh, sometimes I get pretty darn mad, you know, like when I smell alcohol on someone or when I smell marijuana in my house, I am ready to rip. <laughs> and I can because I have that background. I, I can call it for what it is. But if I, if I get to know who God is and by reading his word, not so much following little rules like clothe yourself with compassion, um, but if I get to know who he is by daily reading, studying, praying, being in communion with him, then he gives me that to put on. That's good. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I, um, you're preaching. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. I was going to ask, um, I know you probably have a, a, a ton of stories to choose from, but if you could pick one story of someone that has been in your home or someone that you've ministered to that um, is kind of like mm-hmm. a highlight to you that you're like, wow, the Lord really changed their lives. The Lord really did some incredible work in their life. If you could pick one story out and kind of share, not naming names, but just an individual. Um, I think sometimes stories are really powerful. So if you could just share a story with us, okay. I think that'd be cool. I have a lot of stories. Sure. And I do have to say that I have plenty of stories of people who have gone back to prison. Mm-hmm. Who We have you know, a woman who's dead. Um, people who won't talk to us anymore. You know, so there's plenty of those. But... Um, number of years ago, um, we, we have three rooms. We rent those three rooms. And um, at the time, all three rooms were full, and we got a call from First Baptist Church. And they said that they had a man who was coming back from nine months in, re- in treatment, and he had failed treatments and failed treatments. I mean, he had so many chances, and it, was, it did not look good. Um, but if we, if we could please make room for him and we didn't have room, um, at the time, our kids were too young to object to us selling their beds out from underneath them. (laughs) We didn't do that, but they were too young at the time. Um, so we said no. And then it just kind of rolled around, rolled around. And, um, at the time, Jerry had a room, the two boys were sharing a room. Jerry had a room where he had an office and we had a bed that had been donated and that we just slammed it up in there for, you know, a guest room or whatever. And, um, and the idea came about through us kind of rolling, rolling this around like, Oh, we wish we could say yes to first Baptist. We wish we could say yes. And we didn't even know this person, but it's like, Oh, well, how about the bed in your office? And, um, so we said yes. And this, um, man moved into the bed in our office and um, he was there gosh upstairs with us in 
in the bed for, you know, just in that room. Like he had to share the bathrooms with us and he had to share Jerry's office. Jerry would be in and out working there. I mean, it wasn't private at all. Um, around the same time, um, we, we put a woman in our living room. So now we had five. <laughs> um, but he, when a room opened up downstairs a long time later, he moved downstairs and, um, we have very strict rules in our house. If you choose to live in our house, you're choosing um, not to use alcohol or any other drug anywhere, anytime, for any reason with anybody. And if you do, that is going to be grounds for removal from our home. And 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 um, we have had to remove some. We, we've also worked with some people through... Um, you know, we call it repentant relapse. Like, they relapse, but they really do want to be on the road to recovery. So if you really want to be on the road to recovery. Anyway, I don't think he relapsed at all. But when he moved downstairs, another man moved into the bed in Jerry's office. And it turned out that this other man and I got together, and we were really able to help him. We helped him set up a budget. And it just, like, really worked. The dynamic really worked. And and he moved out. He was with us a little over a year. He moved, he was reconciled with his children. He um, moved out and worked in Durango for a while. Now he's in Arizona, and he's um, studying to be an addictions counselor. And he's been sober since he went to the nine months treatment and then moved into our house. So I would say that that is really a highlight. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's great. Um, I think just... In closing here, Lauren, I just wanted to ask, you know, the vision of Grace Church is imperfect people mm-hmm. leveraging everything for those who are far from Jesus. And I think it's pretty obvious. I think we could probably make sense out of the things you've already shared. But I just wanted to ask to make it crystal clear, like, what are you and your family doing to leverage what you have for those who are far from Jesus? I thought you were going to say, let, let me make it, let's make it crystal clear how imperfect you are. <laughs> we are definitely that. We, um, we struggle so much. We struggle on a daily basis with two teenagers. Um, Jerry has severe cognitive um, decline. I am um, a control monster. I mean, we are definitely imperfect. But we have our house that we leverage, um, like the six-bedroom house. Um, and it, so we're imperfect people leveraging everything. So leveraging our house feels like leveraging everything because, like, people are in our home. Like, our home is very different. And it's not, it's, this way of life is not for everyone. I mean, there's always noise downstairs. There's people coming up. Can I have a ride here? Can we do this? Can we do that? You know, plus plus our kids. Um what else do we leverage? Well, I leverage my um, my recovery, and um, and Jerry, even though um, he is uh, struggling with his um, neurology, um, he is leveraging his free time. He's not working um, for at a job, but he's working a lot. Um, he goes to the jail and um, shows movies and ministers to people there. He has He's ringing the bell right now in this season. He's available to take people here and there. Um, let's see. I don't know. 
That's good. Yeah, <laughs> you can stop. You can stop. Okay. Reading. I think uh, the reason I ask is just to try to help us all to think about what God has given us and what we have. You know, we talked last week where um, the instruction was given from Scripture for those of you that have possessions, you know, mm-hmm. to to use those possessions to bless other people. And that's 99.9% of all of us because we live in America. And so I really ask that question to just give people some ideas. Of, you know, they don't have to do it exactly the way you do it. But for other people to say, what, what do I have that I could use to bless people and to minister to people and to, to leverage everything for those who are far from Jesus? So mm-hmm. I really appreciate your time, Lauren. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for having the courage. Thanks. Thank you for leveraging your story. I know we talked on the phone how I think every single one of us have stories. And sometimes we don't have the courage or the guts to share our experiences and our stories. And I think it's a shame because we have learned so much from your story. And I think people can really uh, connect and say, wow, I've been there. I, I'm going through the same thing. And it, and it can really help one another to, uh, to navigate this, this, uh, this life. So thanks for sharing. Well, thank you. Thanks and, for the opportunity. Uh, if you would, church, if you would just uh, join me in praying for Lauren, praying for her husband, Jerry, um, praying for their kids and their home, I would, I would greatly appreciate that. Father, thank you so much for the Gary family. Thank you for their testimony. Um, thank you for their humility. Lord, just like Lauren has shared, we, we, um, we're all imperfect. We're all struggling in some way uh, or another. But God, I'm just so grateful to, to learn from them and to see how they are leveraging their home, leveraging their, their jobs, their uh, free time, um, their recovery stories to really bless and minister to people. God, I just pray that you would use, continue to use their story, continue to use their efforts to bless many, many people. Um, we pray for your protection over them spiritually. Help them to stay focused on what is pleasant, pure, and holy, and righteous, and good. And uh, God, I just pray that you would pour out your favor upon their efforts to bless people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, Thank Lord. You. Appreciate it. <coughs> You can give her a round of applause, because I think that was... <clears throat> Thank you. Um, I know I was blessed and encouraged by that. And uh, I need to see what time it is to make sure I don't keep you too long here this morning. I was trying to think of how, how could I follow up what Lauren shares with us, and I guess I would just say this, that oftentimes we are talking about pouring out compassion upon others, which I addressed last week, and really showering our communities with compassion and, you know, really doing uh, compassionate things for other people. But I think sometimes we fail to stop and reflect upon the compassion that has been poured out upon us from God. Like, God has been extremely compassionate towards us. And so, as we close out the service this morning, I just want to share with you some encouraging thoughts. And I want us to reflect upon the compassion of our God. I don't know if you know this or not, but God has kept a record of every tear that has fallen from your cheek. He knows the the numbers of hair upon your head. For me, it was an easy job for him. All right. He knows, he's aware, he's in tune. He 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 knows where you're at, what you're going through, what you're struggling with. 
you have never shed a tear that God missed. Like nothing is beyond his love. Nothing is beyond him. He's, it's not like you're going to catch him off guard. Nothing is beyond his compassionate gaze. He is with you. He is for you. He loves you. He sees everything that you have gone through. He sees everything that you're going through. And he knows what you're going to go through. He knows. He knows. In Psalm chapter 56, David, who was an amazing songwriter, but he was also a king and a warrior, David was going through a difficult time, and he begins this song in Psalm chapter 56. In verse 1, he says, Oh God, have mercy on me, for people are hounding me. My foes attack me all day long. For those of you that don't know, David was a man after God's own heart. And in this moment, when he's writing this song, he's actually a prisoner of war. He had been captured by the enemy. The enemies of Israel, the Philistines, had captured David, and David was a prisoner. And if you can just imagine, he's in a pretty helpless state. The enemy has him captured. And in this day, you're dead. I mean, their chances of you living are not good. And so he's writing this song while he is a POW. And so he had reason to be sorrowful. He had reason to even cry. He's in a very desperate state. And in verse 6, David said, I'm sorry, in verse 8 of Psalm 56, David said, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears. God knows each and every one, one of us so intimately. He knows you. He knows what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're going through. He knows every tear that you have shed. I want to remind us this morning that that God is love, that God is compassionate towards you. He is kind towards you. The Bible also says in Psalm 103, verse 13, the Lord is like a father to his children. He is tender and compassionate to those who fear him. He's tender. He's compassionate like a loving, gentle father. He cares about everything in your life. You know, I've heard many people ask the question when they are facing difficult seasons in their life, does God even care? God, do you even care what I'm going through? And you and I, I think we ask that question all the time in in a thousand different ways. We may say, God, did you not see the doctor's report that I just received? Do you not care? God, do you, do you not see the, the mess that my marriage is in? God, do you not care? Do you not see how little money I have and how many, like how big my monthly bills are? God, do you not care? God, do you not see how my kids are struggling in school or in relationships? I just want you to know this morning that the answer is yes. God cares. He cares. In fact, He cares more than you care. He wants to help you more than you want help. He knows what will help you more than you know what will help. He's aware and He cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. You see... The tears that we shed are not in vain. 
God knows each and every one of his children intimately, and every tear that we shed has meaning to him. And David also wrote a song that said this in Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9. It says, The Lord is merciful and compassionate. He's slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. Like I, w- I want to just share one thing this morning. That if, if we could walk out with one thing, I want you to remember this this morning. You're going to remember a lot of what Lauren said, but I want you to remember this as well. Compassion is a verb. Like God's compassion towards us is full of action. It's full of action. He has been extremely compassionate towards us. The Greek word used in the New Testament for compassion is, I practiced this all week, spalaknizomai. Okay? Spalaknizomai. Spalaknizomai. Like, what in the world does that mean? That's the Greek word for compassion. And I want us to catch this. This is so fascinating. This is so amazing. That word, spalaknizomai, refers to the inner parts of a man or his heart, his liver, his intestines. And it means that when compassion grips you on the inside, like when your stomach is like turning because you're heartbroken or you're so compassionate towards someone that your innards are turning on the inside. That's the kind of compassion that God has towards you. He saw your brokenness. He saw what you were going through and it turned him on the inside. God has this kind of compassion towards you. And he was so moved with compassion. He was so moved with our brokenness. He was so moved internally that he did something about it. He took action. And he not only provides the air that we breathe, the rain and the dew to water, the vegetation, he not only provides the gravity that we need to keep us from falling off this ball we call we call earth, but he also came to us. He came in the form of Jesus Christ to experience what we experience, to go what we go through. And he was born in a lowly manger with a bunch of stinky animals. And then he grew up to be a man who healed and fed thousands and he gave his life for us. His compassion drove him to the point where he forgave and saved sinners. His compassion is full of action. So this morning, when you think about compassion, I want you to think about the compassion of God towards us. And Lauren said it so well. It's like there's not rules that you can follow or steps you can take and all of a sudden like, poof, I'm compassionate now. It has to be a a change that happens on the inside and that can only come through the power of God. That can only come through knowing God. But when you think about the compassion of God towards us, boy, it should drive us to be compassionate towards others. We didn't deserve his love. We didn't deserve his compassion, but yet he was still compassionate towards us. When we think about the compassion of God towards us, it should drive us to worship. And it should drive us to the point where we're being compassionate, not out of obligation, not out of duty, 
but out of worship because we have been shown so much compassion. So if you're an individual here this morning and you're like, man, I am not compassionate towards anyone, the best thing you could do is get to know who God is. And the more you know God, the more you know Jesus Christ, the more gracious, kind, and compassionate you're going to be towards other people. I'm going to close in prayer this morning. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for Lauren and her courage to share her story. Gosh, we're so encouraged by it. Lord, help us to be a compassionate people, not because, you know, we, we've followed some set of rules, but Lord, because we are so um, in love with you and we know you. And God, in turn, we are compassionate to other people because you've been so compassionate to us. God, I just pray that you would... Um, yeah, bless these people as they leave church today. Lord, help them to be aware, to keep their eyes open for those who are around them and help them to uh, take action when they see needs arise or opportunities to be compassionate towards other people around them. God, I pray that we would be a church that's known uh, known in this community, in this region, as man, a church that's full of compassion. We love you, God, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Back from sabbatical, all fired up, man. I like that. Got a few announcements this morning. Um, for those of you that are uh, guests, welcome. You'll find in the seat back in front of you, we have some guest information cards. We would love for you to fill those out so we can have uh, just a record of your visit. And if you'll turn that in right back here at our welcome desk, we have a little gift for you. Charlie Brown Christmas this weekend. Our kids have been working hard um, every Sunday afternoon. They have been practicing extremely hard uh, for this Friday and Saturday, December 14th and 15th. Uh, we would love for you to come. We'd love for you to invite a friend. You can get tickets at charliebrowndurango.com. Uh, it will be just right down the road at the River Church. Uh, the two churches have teamed up for another wonderful presentation. So charliebrowndurango.com. And I think they're only $5. Is that right? Yeah, $5. So check that out. Um, you should be getting the daily devotions for those of you that are members and signed up on the newsletter. Those are coming every day through the website. If you have not received those, uh, you can go to our website, gracedurango.com, and register to receive those emails. Uh, we also have a hard copy calendar at the welcome desk that we'd love for you to pick up. Uh, just so that everybody in the church is uh, just taking the time to read that as we're building up to Christmas. And last but certainly not least, we do not have service on December 23rd. Instead, we're going to have three Christmas Eve services. One is going to be at 2, one at 3.30, and one at 5 p.m. Um, invite a friend, you know, for a lot of people, uh, Christmas is probably one of only two times when a lot of people in this town step foot in a church. And so we would love for you to reach out to your friends and family in the community, invite them. And uh, we can only pull this off if everybody is helping out. So what we're asking is attend one service and serve in one service. Uh, we would love for you to help out. We've got lots of places we can plug you, but please commit, if you can, to attend one and serve one. Uh, with that, I will pray us out.
Dear Lord, we just um, we thank you for this time of year. We pray that as we uh, just approach uh, Christmas here in the next two weeks, Lord, that uh, you just help us reiterate um, what this is about. And uh, it's not about presents. It's about uh, just your birth, coming here to the earth, uh, being born, dying for us. And uh, as Justin said, um, just the compassion, the love that you show. I love that. Uh, compassion's a verb. And um, that just means action. And I just pray that as we go out into the community, that we're able to show that, that um, people will see our love for you and you and us uh, by the actions that we show this week in Durango. Uh, in your name, amen. Are right, you guys?